Hi everyone and welcome back to For the Love of Astrophysics. This is your host Aditya Sundar and in today's episode we'll be talking about the different types of particle decays. Let's start out with radioactive decay. I'm sure most of you would have heard of radiation or radioactive elements. Well, what actually happens is that when an atom's nucleus gets too heavy, it becomes unstable. It's because of this instability that the atom actually loses some of its extra mass through the emission of a particle or two and decays into a more stable one in order to become well more stable. This instability is usually brought about when there are more or less neutrons in the nucleus than there should be or there's too much energy stored. Now, based on the number of protons only, the atom is classified as a specific element. The number of protons determines which atom it is, hence it's known as the atomic number. For example, a carbon atom will have six protons. So any atom with six protons will be only carbon. Now, a completely stable carbon atoms should also have six neutrons, but there are certain cases where this can differ. For example, carbon atoms can sometimes happen to have eight neutrons instead of six. This creates a sort of imbalance as the atom is still carbon because the number of protons is still six, yet it has too many neutrons, eight instead of six. Now, what happens is pretty cool. To become stable, the atom undergoes radioactive decay. In this specific example, the decay is such that one of the neutrons becomes a proton, making the total number of protons and neutrons in the atom seven each. Now, since the number of protons dictates which element the atom is, the atom is no longer carbon and is now nitrogen with seven protons and seven neutrons. So the unstable carbon atom has successfully decayed into the stable nitrogen atom. This is one example of a specific type of radioactive decay known as beta decay. I will get more into beta decay just a bit later in the episode. But know that radioactive decay occurs mainly because of this kind of instability in the nucleus of the atom. Before we get into the various types and forms of radioactive decay, it's important to note a few properties of atoms. Now, atoms, as I said before, have an atomic number, which is the number of protons, right? This determines which element it is. Now, atoms also have a mass number, which is just the number of neutrons plus the number of protons in the atom. Sometimes there are variations of the same element known as isotopes. Isotopes are essentially atoms which have the same atomic number, so they are of the same element, but they have different mass numbers. This means that there are either more neutrons or less neutrons. Now, since the number of protons determines which element it is, they stay constant in isotopes, and it is only the number of neutrons which differ. The most stable of the isotopes tends to be the most abundant found in nature. For example, the hydrogen in the air is the most abundant variant of hydrogen, which has no neutrons and happens to be the most stable. But there are certain atoms of hydrogen with one or two neutrons in it, making it slightly unstable. These are the atoms which usually tend 
to decay into lighter or heavier atoms in order to create a balance in the mass of an atom. Now we can get into the types and forms of radiation. There are many types and cases of radioactive decay. Most are named on based on what takes place during the decay. For example, neutron emission, double proton emission, electron capture. However, in today's episode, we'll be focusing on the three main ones, alpha decay, beta decay, and gamma decay. Essentially, an atom can be unstable in many different ways. For example, it could have too much mass or too much energy. Based on these different types of instability, it could be either of these three decays that occur. Alpha decay occurs when the element itself is naturally heavy. Gamma decay occurs when there's too much energy in the nucleus. Lastly, beta de decay occurs when there are too many or too less neutrons than what is stable. First, we can start with alpha decay. All three types of decay are named because of what is emitted. In alpha decay, an alpha particle is emitted. An alpha particle is essentially just a helium nucleus with two protons and two neutrons. Alpha decay is pretty straightforward. Let's take one of the most common examples in alpha, of alpha decay to explain it. Uranium-238. Uranium is an element in the periodic table and it's known to be pretty unstable because of its heavy nucleus, right? It's naturally heavy. In fact, it's called uranium-238 because of the fact that its mass number is actually 238. Yeah, it has 238 protons and neutrons in its nucleus. That's pretty heavy. Now, uranium-238 causes a chain reaction of radioactive decays, where it decays from one element and that element decays to another and another and another, eventually converting itself into the final product of lead-206, all in a quest to become stable. How mind-blowing is that? One atom of a specific element could change completely into another. Anyways, so uranium is actually really unstable at this point. So it loses two neutrons and two protons in the form of an alpha particle. Now let's take what happens step by step. Firstly, since there was a total of four particles lost from the nucleus, the mass number has now changed from 238 to 234. Secondly, the atomic number has decreased by two due to the two protons lost in the emission. Stay with me, an alpha particle is two protons and two neutrons. When this is emitted from the uranium nucleus, the mass has decreased by four. However, since only two protons were lost, the atomic number has decreased by only two. Now the initial atomic number of uranium is actually 92. Now since two protons have been shot out, it's now 90. And 90 happens to be the atomic number of the element thorium. So through alpha decay, the slightly unstable uranium-238 has decayed into the lighter thorium-234. Now thorium itself is actually a bit unstable, so it causes more and more decays, both beta and alpha, until the final product as I said before, is a fully stable lead-206. So to sum up, uranium-238 has a mass number of 238, meaning that there are 238 particles in its nucleus. 
Since it's slightly unstable, it loses two protons and two neutrons in the form of an alpha particle. Now, the mass number has decreased from 238 to 234 because four particles have been emitted from the nucleus. And the atomic number has decreased from 92 to 90 because of the two protons, making it the new lighter thorium-234. This is an example of how alpha decay occurs. The next type of radiation on our list is gamma radiation. As the name suggests, what is emitted is a gamma ray. Now, before we get into the process of how and why this occurs, let's talk a bit about what exactly a gamma ray is. Remember the last episode when I talked about photons? Well, they are particles of light and are carriers of the electromagnetic force. The electromagnetic force is one of the fundamental forces of the universe. Do not think that this force is always magnetic or electric because of the name. It's simply a force transmitted through photons. Think of it as pure energy. For example, light is a form of the electromagnetic force. It's pure energy. It has no mass. It's just energy. Now, the electromagnetic force is usually transmitted in the form of waves. So light, for example, travels in the form of waves. Waves have a certain property known as wavelength which is, as the name suggests, just the length of one wave. Now, the wavelength of the wave actually governs which type of electromagnetic radiation it is. So, there are many types of electromagnetic radiation. The longer the wavelength, the less energy the wave carries, and vice versa. The most common wavelength and form of electromagnetic radiation that we are familiar with is light. Yes, as I said before, light is a form of electromagnetic radiation. Let's talk about that for a minute. As most of you know, light itself has many colors. In fact, they're all seen in a rainbow. Each color has a different wavelength. The shorter the wavelength, the bluer and more violet the color appears. And the longer the wavelength, the redder it appears. If the wavelength is decreased a lot, we actually get the color violet. In fact, if we decrease the length Further, we get ultraviolet light or UV light, which is what is emitted by the sun and what we consider to be dangerous for our skin. It's actually for that reason that it's called ultraviolet light because the wavelength is shorter than that of violet. It's ultraviolet. In fact, if we decrease the wavelength even more, we get X-rays. Yes, the same X-rays in CT scans, in airport scanners and in, well, X-rays. This is the reason why people say it's dangerous to be exposed too many times to X-rays. Because the wavelength is so less that the energy it carries is very high and it can penetrate your skin. Which is actually why we use them to see inside your body. Moving on, if we decrease the wavelength of X-rays even more, we get the shortest wavelength of electromagnetic waves in the form of gamma rays. They hold the highest photon energy for this reason. Now, what I just described is known as the electromagnetic spectrum. How the form of electromagnetism changes when you change the wavelength. So to sum up, 
Electromagnetism is one of the fundamental forces in the universe and it's transmitted through waves. Depending on the length of the wave, we can determine the form of the radiation. The shorter the wavelength, the more energy it carries and vice versa. If we keep on decreasing the wavelength all the way from, let's say, red light, we get blue light, violet light, ultraviolet light, X-rays, and finally gamma rays, the highest energy form of electromagnetic radiation. And this is what we will be discussing now. Now, gamma radiation or gamma decay is nothing but the emission of gamma rays in order to lower the energy of an atom's nucleus. Just like I said before, gamma rays are nothing but high energy rays of photons with no mass. So the only reason that an atom would need to emit a gamma ray is that it has too much energy. Usually after alpha or beta decay, the nucleus is pushed to a higher energy level, holding too much energy than what is stable. So the nucleus emits some extra photons present in the atom in the form of a gamma ray to get rid of this extra energy. This is seen in plutonium, for example, where the energy state of the nucleus is too much. So it slowly decays by getting rid of this extra energy by radiating gamma rays. Next, we move on to the last radioactive decay in today's episode, beta decay. Beta decay involves a very interesting quantum process of changing a proton into a neutron or vice versa. After discussing this, we can get into particle decay and how exactly that happens. So beta decay is again another form of radioactive decay, which involves the emission of a particle, this time known as the beta particle. This is where it gets interesting. You see, the alpha particle is very simple, just two neutrons and two protons. A gamma ray is a high energy ray of electromagnetic energy. A beta particle, on the other hand, is actually a fast and highly energetic electron or positron. That's right, not a proton, a positron. A positron is the name given to an anti-electron. Let's step back for a moment. You see, Every single elementary particle, for example, an electron, has an antimatter equivalent, a particle with opposite properties, like opposite spin or opposite charge. A positron is the antimatter particle of an electron. This is the particle emitted from the nucleus of an atom going through beta decay. Now let's go through the process step by step. Beta decay occurs in atoms, again with an unstable nucleus. Remember when I talked about isotopes and how heavier or lighter isotopes could be unstable, so they have to decay? This is where beta decay occurs. Beta decay occurs mainly in these isotopes or radioisotopes as they are called. Let's take the example I took earlier of carbon-14. Carbon has six protons in its nucleus and as I said before, the number of protons determines the element of the atom. A stable carbon nucleus also has six neutrons in it, but there are cases where eight neutrons are present instead of six. This causes too much of an imbalance in the mass for the nucleus to handle. 
So through a series of emissions and interactions, the entire atom changes into a different element. Let me explain how it occurs. This is where particle physics comes in. And if you're not familiar with the basic particles of particle physics, please do check out the previous episode, season three, episode one, talking about the standard model of physics. Okay, so if you have listened to the previous episode, you would know that protons and neutrons are made of these particles known as up quarks and down quarks, right? A proton is made of two up quarks and a down quark. Well, a neutron is made of just the opposite, right? Two down quarks and an up quark. Essentially what happens is that a neutron turns into a proton in order to stabilize the atom's nucleus. To make this simpler, picture the letters DUD, which represent a neutron with two down quarks and an up quark. For this particle to turn into a proton, all that would be needed is for a down quark to turn into an up quark or for a D to turn into a U. Imagine one of the Ds changing into a U, right? A down quark turning into an up quark. While this happens, the D shoots out a particle labeled W, but we'll get to that in a second. Now, the moment this happens, the neutron becomes a proton. This is where carbon-14 decays into the stable nitrogen with seven protons and seven neutrons. But let me repeat that. The letters DUD represents a neutron with two down quarks and an up quark. Now what happens is that one of the Ds turns into a U, a down quark, turns into an up quark. For this to happen, a particle is shot out, which I said was labeled W. This particle is actually the W minus boson. In case you have listened to the previous episode, you may remember that the W boson is actually responsible for the weak force, one of the fundamental forces in the universe. Now, this particle is the whole reason that the down quark is able to transform. The down quark, in a sense, interacts with the weak force by shooting out this W minus boson. And because of that, it is able to transform into a completely different particle. So you can see how the emission of this particle causes so much change. It changes an entire atom into another element. This W minus boson, however, exists for a very short amount of time and quickly decays itself into two other particles. One being the beta particle, which is a fast moving electron, and the other being an electron antineutrino. The electron carries away the extra negative charge while both carry the extra mass. So to sum up, to stabilize the nucleus of the atom, a neutron must turn into a proton. For this to occur, all that must happen is a down quark of a neutron turning into an up quark. All this involves is the emission of a particle known as the W minus boson. This is emitted from the down quark and it converts it into an up quark. Now this boson later decays into an electron and an electron antineutrino. Now that we're done discussing radioactive decay, we can move on to probably the most important example of the weak interaction and decay that there is in our whole solar system, nuclear fusion. We talked about this in a previous episode, but never really got into the particle physics of it. 
Now that most of you would be familiar with beta decay and particle emissions, we can actually get into understanding how this process of nuclear fusion occurs on a quantum level. Now this process is actually known as the proton-proton chain as it involves protons smashing together in various different ways to finally give helium. Let's talk about the proton-proton chain. To understand this, let's talk about it like it's a lab experiment. So, first we start with two protons, right? We have two protons. The first step in our reaction is the formation of the deuterium nucleus. Deuterium is an isotope of hydrogen and its nucleus is essentially just a proton and a neutron. Now we have two protons. So how can we get from there to one proton and one neutron? Now, we know that there's this process called beta decay, which is known to change a neutron into a proton or vice versa. So we can collide these two protons and one of them will undergo beta plus decay and turn into a neutron. As a result of beta plus decay, a W plus boson is emitted. This W plus boson quickly decays into a fast moving positron and an electron neutrino. If you remember, a positron is an anti-electron. This is the complete opposite of what happened with beta minus decay, if you remember. Anyways, getting back to the process, we now have a deuterium nucleus and have completed step one in the proton-proton chain. The next step in the proton-proton chain is the formation of helium-3. Now, a stable helium nucleus has two protons and two neutrons. This is our end goal. This is where we want to reach eventually. And so far, we have half of what we need with the deuterium nucleus, which has one of each. Now, as I said before, the proton number decides which element the atom is. So as of now, our deuterium nucleus is still hydrogen because it only has one proton. So now the reaction needs to occur in such a manner that the proton number in the nucleus increases to two, making it officially helium. Now we don't have to do much to make this happen. We just need to collide another proton with our current nucleus. And this forms helium three. This collision actually occurs very fast. So there's a lot of energy buildup because of it. This extra energy is carried out by a gamma ray. Now we call this helium three because it's not fully formed. It's not a fully formed helium nucleus because it has our two protons in requirement, but only one neutron. So we still need one more neutron for it to become an official helium nucleus. The last step of this process requires just an additional neutron to be added to our current nucleus. This is where the process can vary in many different ways. However, the most prominent or most common way is as follows. Right now, we have a helium-3 nucleus with two protons and one neutron. 
essentially what happens is that we need another helium 3 nucleus to be formed and collide it with our existing one so if we take it back to what actually happens in the sun whatever happened to the nucleus we started with occurred to another one in the sun and these two nuclei eventually collide to finally give a stable helium nucleus in total when they collide there will be a total of four protons and two neutrons so once the two nuclei collide with each other two protons are shot out giving a stable helium nucleus this is how nuclear fusion occurs in the sun and how it gains so much energy now you know the interactions and emissions that take place and also why the sun emits gamma radiation with this we are done with today's episode see you next time on for the love of astrophysics Thank you.